Hello everyone, welcome to episode 618 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. We are now two weeks away from the Cold Wave 6 Festival in Chicago. Things kick off Thursday, September 28th at the Empty Bottle with MC 900 Foot Jesus and Ghost. Friday, September 29th through Sunday, October 1st at Metro, your featured acts include Stabbing Westward, Cold Cave, Front 242, Severed Heads, KMFDM, Ogre, and more. Late Night Smart Bar shows Friday and Saturday will feature The Gothicals, Curse Mackey, Bombardier, and End User. For ticket links and the full lineup, head to coldwaves.net. This week we're chatting with Saturday Smart Bar performer Jason Snell. This is Bombardier.
I started in the mid nineties, um, in the rave scene and the hardcore scene, picked up a drum machine when all my friends were picking up vinyl to DJ. I wanted to go the producing route. The first real foothold I got was in the hardcore scene and what became the breakcore scene in the late nineties. Uh, and so my stuff had a mix of breaks, uh, distortion, fast tempos. Originally, I was using a lot of punk samples as well. So that fused into a, a sound that worked well with breakcore. That's the area it started, and then it's morphed in all sorts of directions since then. What kind of punk stuff were you sampling? Uh, I had a friend who would go to Southern California uh, for the summers. So I grew up in Iowa. And uh, I met him at the techno shows in Iowa. He would go to Southern California and get these um, seven-inch vinyls. He brought them back, and without even knowing the material that well, I sampled a bunch of sounds I liked from his seven-inches. And the funny thing was, probably two years later, uh, I'd moved to San Francisco, and um, a guy named Miguel, whose artist's name is Kid 606, uh, I gave him a demo and he brought it back to the label he worked for, which was in Southern California and it was vinyl communications. And as it turns out, I had sampled vinyl communications a bunch and then just coincidentally, my demo ended up going to that label. And that was my first, uh, full length. And so it was just completely random coincidence. So the, the different bands, um, stuff from Titwrench, who's the guy who, his name's uh, Bob Barely. Uh, he runs the label, and that was his band. And so a lot of the samples were uh, from the, from him. If you're sampling stuff and then bringing it back to the label, I'm sure that would make it a lot easier to clear any of the samples. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I felt a little nervous once I figured that out. I was like, oh, I hope he likes it. The other band that happened with was Babyland. Uh, they're kind of a te- techno-punk combo. And I had sampled one of their vinyl um, early on, and I forgot how I connected with them, but they liked the remix a lot and were very happy I did it. But it was an authorized remix initially. So I talked to Lynn a few weeks back about uh, what he's referring to as the end user Bombardier uh, Smart Bar Takeover. Tell me about what you guys have planned from your perspective. I think the focus of it is going to, from my perspective, is any of the genres I've worked in that are industrial hybrids. And so I've made some tracks that are kind of a hybrid between industrial and drum and bass, uh, industrial and techno, and playing those. And really some of it will be spontaneous and you know, hearing end users material and then deciding what to play. So when I come to um, the show, I'll have a lot of different material prepared, but not the sequence. So I'll just kind of let it be a conversation between Lynn and I as he picks tracks and then I, I uh, choose tracks. And then he has a vocalist he's worked with and I have a vocalist I've worked with on one of my side projects, which is called 5th of July. It's a vocalist named Jessica Shane. She's originally from Chicago. She grew up on you know, Wax Tracks releases and likes that whole sound. And so um, she's excited to be a part of that show as well. Besides 5th of July, tell me about the other musical projects you've been involved with. Uh, the Space Where She Was, is that another one? Yep. Uh, I was actually working on um, an album for that this afternoon, um, preparing a demo for a label. Um, 
that one is well my main project is um bombardier and the reasons i create new offshoots is when i feel that uh, there's something I want to create that I start to censor myself because I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like a bombardier track. When I do create a new moniker, it's still myself up creatively. And uh, what the space where she was was for is that I was exploring more melodic. Bombardier can be fairly atonal, but always very dark, regardless of beat structure or tempo. And so this new project was the ability to bring in lighter sounds, uh, more melodic sounds. I think all my stuff has either a dark or nostalgic feel to it. Just whenever I work on something, it kind of morphs into that. But it freed me up to explore, particularly synthesizers. A lot of my Bombardier stuff is very uh, rhythm and um, baseline oriented. It's been really freeing for me to explore these, you know, bells and um, modular synthesizers and some of my existing synths that I've had, but just a lot of the sounds that didn't fit the bombardier sound. And particularly recently what I've been doing is I've developed a MIDI sequencer that has a artificial intelligence. And I've been using that to generate the sequences I use in uh, the space where she was, uh, songs and performances and recording those. And the AI learns my playing style specifically. So as I choose notes and I use the the AI longer it learns and wraps to my playing style more and more over time. It learns me better and better over time. And so it's also this experiment of mixing technology and music where, you know, I choose the first few notes and then it starts to create generative patterns based on those first few notes. And I'm turning the knobs and, you know, mixing the sounds and choosing the original sounds. But when I stand back, I mean, the, the composition isn't mine, you know, it was created by this thing I created. So it's kind of gets into this a little bit of a surreal space in terms of being a creator and creating something that can create. When you put it in the liner notes, who gets the, the <laughs> I, I have to credit, I, I guess the app, you know, the app is called refraction. So, um, I, I guess I can say I turn the knobs, but that's about it. <laughs> but it's not, it's not developed enough to demand royalties yet. Not yet, but I'm sure by 3.0, it'll start. Skynet. <laughs> exactly. That's always a concern.
you've also done some film scoring. Tell me about that. Sure. I, in 2005, um, I picked up a guitar and used all the effects pedals I already had for my techno and did a film score for an online experimental film called Forest Grove. And it went to Sundance in 2005. And with that, Laurel, it opened some doors to work on some other film scores. And most of them were in New York uh, when I lived there. And they were independent. And then I uh, started to veer towards horror film scores just because that fit the sound I was working on at the time. It came pretty naturally to me. I actually started music in high school to score my own films. So I made films. There was a really good uh, video VHS program at my high school. And it's something that dropped off once I got into music and techno. It was satisfying to connect to other people's footage. You know, during that time, this was about 10 years ago. When I see footage, I hear sound that's supposed to be there. I don't know if that's a type of synesthesia that's occurring, but I hear the tones and I hear the instruments that fit. And I would say this last year and a half, I've been shooting my own films again. And that's kind of a full circle thing where I can do the visuals and the sound. And the first one I released went to a Berlin film festival this February. And it felt good to be at a film festival again as a creator. One of the follow-up films I did uh, just premiered at a art show in Los Angeles. And that film was actually created by that AI as well. And so when that AI was choosing the musical notes, it was also triggering video clips that I'd load in, into a software called Processing. And so the video clips and the music are in sync. And it was actually something I was testing for a show um, that I played about a month ago. But I just did a screen capture. I was like, actually, this is becoming a narrative on its own. So I did a screen capture, and that became the film of, I think is about four minutes long. So it's an AI-generated film and score uh, combined. And so, again, I'm able to incorporate some of the technology into not just the music, but also... Uh, video and film work. So we touched a little bit about some of your visual design and graphic art. Was there anything else uh, around that that you wanted to talk about? One of the things that um, keeps me creatively uh, inspired is I will switch media. And if I'm feeling burned out on music, I'll switch over to uh, painting for a while or graphic design. I'll, I'll work on an album cover or a website or the interface, you know, I'll tweak the interface for one of my apps. Uh, and then when I get burned out on one of those, I'll rotate again. So one of the things that I've been able to do real high output in it, I believe, because I switch um, media. And, and that's something that's, I'm just grateful for that. There's so many different tools that I can use to express myself. And each tool filters my vision in its particular way. So my paintings are going to be different than an app interface is going to be different than, you know, something coming off a modular synthesizer. But it's it's something I was actually talking to a friend in Berlin about this of how to avoid burnout. And it's learning to pace myself, even when I'm feeling really inspired, and I want to stay up till like, you know, 2am working on something, really to know that if I do that, I'm going to lose a few days afterwards. So I can make a choice whether to pace myself or, you know, shoot for the moon and then knowing that, that's a consequence. And it feels, you know, it's whatever the creative project is, when it's at its height, it feels like it's going to, the ideas are going to flow forever. 
but every single time at some point, you know, the ideas start to uh, dwindle down. And that's when I know not to push the project. You know, I, I can feel when I start to get uh, too willful and trying to make something or finish something when it's not ready to be finished. And I lose that connection with that uh, muse type of energy, that creative energy. And I know I, I need to shift. Even if I think I'm close, sometimes I have to wait another month or a couple weeks uh, to return to it. And then, you know, it can finish quite easily. So I, I see each project, particularly larger projects, having a life of their own. And I just help it kind of come into being the best I can. If I'm struggling with what something should sound like or what direction an album should go, I often tell myself it's not up to me. You know, I just do the footwork and whatever creative energy flows through me makes the decisions. Um, and it, it keeps my ego out of it as best as possible. And it keeps any sort of willfulness. And, um, you know, I, I can spend three months on a mediocre track trying to will it into being good and it's the whole thing's a waste of time whereas if that energy is there that creative energy something good can come together in just a couple hours and it feels like i'm cheating it's like how did man how did that happen but it somehow did and if i'm the only one in the room when it happened i guess i get credit for it so which of the many faceted projects that you have coming up uh, is anything coming out soon that you want to to know i would say uh repercussion the app they'll be out fairly soon i'm gonna move it into beta probably next few weeks and start working with beta users in terms of music i'm working on several demos right now so i'm, I'm reluctant to say which labels until they get an approval but sending out demos of music and also some of the films that i've created are tied to a set of music and so i'm pitching albums with the films i've made you know so it could be utilized as a a, a multimedia release or, you know, a music video to some of the songs.
On this episode, you heard Battalion, Betrayal, and Demon Hard Acid Mix. Bombardier can be found at facebook.com slash bombardierva. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Accumination. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Tom Shear from Assemblage 23. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Wave's fallen Chicago musician and Sandman Jamie Duffy. Here's a 2005 message board post by Jamie entitled, Why I Did Not Go on the Pig Face Free-For-All Tour. May 17th, 2005. There are many reasons for my decision. A couple days before the tour was leaving, I kinda snapped. I wasn't ready to go. I had not done laundry, not packed, and no time to do so. I was dreading leaving, and for the first time in my life, I really didn't want to go. Pickface got a 15-passenger bus, not the standard 12, and the thought of me and 14 other people on the same bus for six weeks, doing shows every day with only one day off, with me doing sound for every band, which I was told I didn't have to do every band, but I know how these things go. Anyway, this thought was not appealing. Also, I didn't want to be away during the production of Anticore. Also, there was a chance for me to move up the ranks at House of Blues and start doing some stage managing shifts. This has, unfortunately, not happened. If I had gone on tour, I would not have even gotten the chance, and I wanted a shot. Oh well. But, we did get our new monitor rig, which we have been waiting years for, and when we got it, it wasn't what we wanted or needed. So I spent many days reprogramming sound processors and reconfiguring amp racks to make our monitor system work better. After much work, I finally got it where I want it, and I feel good about that. Also, I didn't want to be away from a certain special someone for six weeks. Jason likes to think that this is my main reason for not going on tour. Not true, but definitely another reason in a list of many. That's pretty much it. No regrets. Anticore is coming along wonderfully. This could be the best one yet.